is from Luke 18, verses 18 to 30. This can be found on page 1052 in the Red Bibles. We have Bibles in other languages and versions available at the back, and page numbers for those are on the screen. A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard is it, it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus replied, What is impossible with man is possible with God. Peter said to him, We have left all we had to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, No one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks very much indeed, Hannah, uh, for reading. Uh, we're going to take a look at that uh, passage. My name is Paul. If you don't know me, it's great to be with you this morning. Um, let me pray for us um, and keep your Bibles open and we'll have a look at this uh, in the next while. Heavenly Father, we pray uh, and ask for your help. We ask for your Holy Spirit to work in us, uh, open our eyes uh, to see and understand you better, we pray. Amen. Um, now, if you are joining us, as I say, I'll say a little bit later on, we're, we're kind of coming to the end of uh, a series looking at uh, this part of Luke's gospel, these kind of middle chapters, and we called it Jesus and Money. And part of the reason we've done that um, in the summer is it's that kind of time when uh, some of you might be taking stock of where things are going. It's that potential season of change and transition. You take stock of where things, where things are up to in your life, where you've been uh, through this year perhaps so far, where things are going, and that we might, it's a good time. Uh, it's a good time to take that moment to think, actually, I wonder where things are financially uh, for me, for you. Where, where, where are things, where is my money? Where are things up to? And if you have that moment, perhaps sitting on a beach at some point or in a garden, wherever it might have been, that might have drifted through your thoughts um, uh, and I want to kind of fold that into uh, these weeks as we go into this next part of the year. Um, that point of transition and change is very well illustrated this week. If you are somebody who got GCSE results um, this week, uh, I believe this was taken from a local school in Manchester, um, you will be uh, very aware of change and transition. Uh, it was GCSEs this week. It was um, A-levels and uh, uh, B-tech results uh, the week before, um, you will have, you'll be well placed um, to answer that question of um, have, uh, how well have I done 
Um, have I done the right things in order to be where I wanted to be? Have I done the right things in order to make the grade that I wanted to make? Um, a question that kind of carries on through the rest of life, but you guys will be well-placed uh, to know, have I, have I kind of done what I've wanted to do? Uh, has my life, have I made uh, the strides that I've wanted to make? Am I where I wanted to be? Has my life got meaning and purpose that I want it to have? But also, I guess, if you're somebody who picked up results this week, you'll also be well-placed to know that underneath that is another question of, who am I doing this for? Who am I doing it for? What is my striving uh, for? Who is it for? Is it to, who am I trying to please? Who am I trying to relate to in doing this? Uh, who out there am I trying to give account to? This story uh, of the, uh, the ruler uh, who comes to talk to Jesus, the last of our, our sequence um, in Luke's Gospel. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of split this uh, talk into two. I'm going to just talk through the story, uh, and we'll take a, a, a pause in the middle, and then I'm going to try and answer three brief questions um, from it at the end. It's a story that you might uh, know um, well. Not everyone will necessarily. Um, it starts, verse 18, a certain ruler... Um, comes to Jesus and asks him a question, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Um, a certain ruler. Um, it helps to try to get ourselves in the mindset of, um, of how this story plays out and who this, who this figure is, this certain ruler. Um, in the context of the culture of the day, this is somebody who's respected in society. Um, they have reached a certain level of, uh, of honor and prestige. Um, uh, it's not a religious person uh, in particular. More of a, a leader in, in society generally. I was trying to sort of do some mental translation. You might meet somebody and they say they're a director of a company. Uh, you might meet somebody um, who is a civic leader, perhaps in local government or even national government. Uh, perhaps uh, an academic. Maybe an academic who's uh, got tenure, a professorship. Uh, or uh, somebody who is perhaps a, a consultant, uh, whatever it might be, a head of department, a head of school, whatever, whatever translation can help you understand. Here is somebody whom you would know and meet and go, oh, I see, oh, so they're a director of, of there. Oh, okay. So here is a certain ruler who comes, a certain uh, person who commands a certain amount of prestige and honor. And in a sense, that I, part, I guess that's partly why this story really travels around the world very well. Um, it's a little bit small, but you can see in the top uh, left there. Um, here is this uh, picture of this story from the Bible in, in a kind of Asian context. Uh, so the, uh, the figure of Jesus uh, on the right, and there the ruler leaves looking sad on the left. This story really travels around the world, I think partly because it gets under our skin a little bit. Here is somebody with prestige and, and rightly honor who has strived to do the right things and has got to a certain level, and yet something has been pulled from under him. Now, the context and the reason why that um, is so, I think, is just, just in the verses before our passage, if you just glance down, you'll see that Jesus has been talking about the need to enter the kingdom like a little child. So if you are young here, um, with, a, with a humility, with a, with a humble nature, like a little child. You need to enter, that's how you come to, to the Lord, says Jesus, um, with that kind of humility. 
And if you can imagine, here you are, you're a person of distinction and some honor, and Jesus has just been talking about the need to enter the kingdom uh, like a little child, and something's got to prick up in your ears, make your ears prick up. Something's got to make you think, well, if that's what you're describing, how does somebody like me, with this level of prestige and honor, how do I get saved? What have I got to do? And so then, the question what must I do to inherit eternal life? How can I be sure? You've just talked about children. That's not really me. How can I be sure? How can I be sure that I've made the grade, that the kind of life I've been trying to live is the right one? And Jesus gives him this answer. Initially, he says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Uh, We'll come back to that. He says, you know the commandments. You should not commit adultery. You should not murder. You should not steal. You should not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. He cites the relational commandments, and they are uh, 7, 6, 8, 9, and 5. If that's some code to something, I don't know, but that's, that's the, the, uh, the relational commandments, 7, 6, 8, 9, and 5. Um, they are the, relation, the ones that are about relating to others. And perhaps you can hear in the mind of this ruler as he's come, you're talking about relating to God as a child, what is it I need to do? He cites these things, and you can hear that sigh of relief. Okay, well, if that's what we're talking about, well, I'm all right. Uh, I've managed to not do those things. Uh, I haven't uh, committed adultery. I haven't murdered anyone. I haven't stolen. I haven't given false testimony. I've honored my father and mother. That's okay. And then Jesus confronts him. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have a treasure in heaven, then come, follow me. And I guess that's where the bottom falls out of this guy's uh, encounter with Jesus. Uh, the word um, uh, give to the poor, because uh, this story comes up in, in the other Gospels as well, uh, only you, Luke uses the word um, uh, given, uh, which is distribute. There's something active here that you sell what you have and actively go and work out where you're, where you're going to redistribute it. What are you going to do with your money? You know, actively uh, requires this, that, that kind of challenge. And the ruler in the story, when he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. He became very sad because he was very wealthy. And what you get then is the, the three responses. Um, and the rulers is the first one. He became very sad. Um, and Jesus looks at him. Um, you know, this is verse 24. Jesus looks at him. You imagine this encounter. So here's this ruler. We've pictured him. He had this moment of relief. But now suddenly uh, it's fallen apart. And Jesus looks at him. Um, when, we, when we were away, we just had some time away. And staying at a, uh, a place, you know, you kind of... Uh, have a look at the DVDs that they've left in the house that you're staying at, and there was the, uh, Paddington was there. And so one afternoon when we were sort of all a bit tired, we, we watched the second of the Paddington films. Paddington, if you don't, haven't come across Paddington, Paddington has, has what's called a hard stare, and where he looks at people very intensely. And here is Jesus looking, and looking, not just kind of at this, but looking through him almost. He has this hard stare, and so then you can kind of see inside him. And that's the first response. As he says uh, to, Jesus says to him, 
how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. He's saying it's that hard. It, it, the image, the camel, the eye of the needle, it, it's a shorthand for just how impossible that is. Something that's just, you, you know, it really does seem to be very, very difficult for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Um, as difficult as it is to, for people, it seems, to stay at 20 miles an hour on Platte Lane. It's just, just something, just, how hard can that be? It just really is hard. Uh, the second response is the crowd who then say, well, look, who can be saved? If you've got somebody with the kind of prestige and honor that is due to someone like the ruler, if someone like him is in trouble, who can be saved? It's a good question, particularly culturally, if your assumption would be, rightly to some degree, that somebody of that level of uh, recognition has largely been blessed by God, you might think. Because we might meet somebody and say, well, if you worked that hard and you are a professor and you, you become a director, then you, there's, some, you know, there's, a, there's a good mer- uh, amount of merit in that. And it's partly why this story travels around the world. Uh, whether, the, whether the issue is the honor that you're deserved or the merits that you've earned in different parts of the world. Uh, that's the second response, the crowd saying, who can be saved? And Peter is the third response, saying, verse 28, well, we've, we've done everything to follow you. That's, this is what we have done. We have given this stuff up. So what does that mean? So those are the three responses. Um, the sadness of the ruler... The crowd's kind of bewildered and unsure, and, and Peter saying, well, we, that, that's kind of what we're trying to do. And that is the story, and it just, it, just it, it leaves us with some unsettling thoughts, particularly about this ruler and, and where he's at spiritually. And the, probably the most useful question I can ask you is this one this morning, and I'll, I'll, I'm going to pick up three other quick questions briefly. But this is probably the most useful question, and we're going to take a pause at this point. I'd love you to just to ask yourself this question, and possibly even turn to somebody nearby. Let's just have a minute or so. Uh, where, when you hear this story, what is your reaction to it? Because I think Luke is trying to unsettle us. What are the questions that it raises? Does it seem fair to you or not? What are the questions that it raises? Um, just turn to somebody nearby or behind you, and we'll have a minute or so. When you hear this story, what is your reaction to it? This is, the, uh, I think, the, the kind of key question. You've got to gauge, in a sense, what is it doing in here? Um, let's have a, a moment to do that.
Okay, let me uh, let me interrupt you again. In some ways, that's the that's the question underneath that we we kind of got to wrestle with ourselves. I'm going to ask I'm going to ask three brief questions and, and try and answer them. Hopefully, some of these might be the kind of questions that you're raising, and you can come to me afterwards if they're not. So the first, why did Jesus give him this command? And um, the second we'll look at is what did the ruler get wrong? And thirdly, what is Jesus promising at the end? Um, briefly, why did Jesus give this command? Why, why, why this one? Because that, that's the thing that really gets under your skin. Why did he have to say that to him? Uh, why did he have to do that? Jesus is trying to focus him on relationship. He is trying to move him from what to who. Do you notice the question that the, the ruler brings at the start? What must I do to inherit eternal life? And the first thing Jesus does in verse 19 is try and shift him away from what to who. He says, you know, why do you call, you're, why do you call me good? You're talking about God here. You're saying what? Let's talk about who. But particularly when in verse 22, having, it's, almost, it's not quite a trap, but it's having given him those relational commands... Uh, in uh, early on, and, and the guy says, I've, I've, I've kept those. In verse 22, he says, one thing you still lack, sell everything you have, give to the poor, relational, and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. He's trying to move him from what to who? A relationship. And spiritual reality is more about who than what. Who are we trying to relate to? Who are we trying to please? Spiritual reality is, is about who we are trying to relate to and who we are trying to please. And he is trying to move him to, to focus on relationship. I think that's why he gave him this radical command, uh, the one that was so troubling to him. Why, what did the ruler get wrong? He just couldn't see how much of a problem money can be. He didn't see how much of a problem money can be. I think it's been one of the themes through this summer series. Why money and wealth and possessions can keep you and me from relationship. It can keep us from relationship with God. Uh, It can keep us from relationship with others. Why is that? Because it can insulate us. It can insulate us. when, when you see that story unfold, and as I was telling it to you, Jesus has talked about entering the kingdom like a child, and you can kind of hear the ruler going, that, something doesn't sit right with me, so how do I relate to God? And when he's told it's the relational commands, and he thinks, oh, that's great, I've, I've, I've done those. Can you hear him sort of, something has stopped him in his tracks, I need to check in and make sure I'm all right with God, and as soon as I know I am, I'll just carry on, thanks. I want to check in, but I'm not really relating to him. And money and our possessions can be one of the ways in which we just insulate ourselves away from God and from others. I wonder if we, if we reflect on this. That money is, I think it's in biblical terms, when you look at the New Testament, it's much higher up the scale of issues than, than I think we think it is. I suspect it's more likely that a reason we would stop relating to Jesus is our wealth and our possessions. More likely than, say, an existential crisis about whether we believe or not. 
More likely, perhaps, than, you know, can I reconcile science and faith anymore? More likely, perhaps, than the culture. It's very hard to be a Christian these days. I wonder if it's more likely, the reason we'll potentially stop relating to Jesus is that we insulate ourselves away from him. Our money and our possessions. What happens? We get a, we get a nice house. We get a nice car. We start to insure ourselves. We don't need him anymore. If, um, if you are in your 40s or 50s or 60s uh, or beyond, I wonder if that's something particularly we need to be attentive to. Uh, if you're younger than that, uh, if you're a teenager, if you're a uh, student age, know that what you kind of set in place now with regards to money, uh, uh, how you view it, will kind of grow with you as you get older. Jesus was trying to move him from uh, what to who, to focus him on relationship, and he he does so by kind of putting his finger on this issue, this thing that kind of keeps him from relationship, insulates him. And I wonder if we, if we kind of wrestle with the way money works and might be higher up the scale of issues spiritually than perhaps we realize. Lastly, what is Jesus promising at the end? Uh, Peter, we've left all we had to follow you. Um, uh, Jesus says some remarkable words, which I think we find hard to process at times. Um, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. Culturally, again, these are places of, um, of, of some financial security, particularly if you imagine running your business out of your home, uh, the network of relationships that you needed uh, to, make, um, to make life work. So when he talks about these things, notice he's talking in relational terms again. And Peter says, we have given these things up to follow you. We have, we have put you first. We, we're wanting to do that. And Jesus says, yes. And you know, in giving those things up, you will gain much more. And I guess we get wary of these words. What is he talking about? Do you know, when, if you are a Christian here, uh, or if you're considering becoming a Christian here, you gain a Christian family, you gain a Christian network wherever you are in the world. You, you, I look at how multi-ethnic our congregation is. You, can, you could travel across the world, and you could arrive and meet other Christians, and they are your family. And what they have is yours, and what you have is theirs. And there is something remarkable that actually, in one of the ways Jesus teaches, actually in giving up that insulating personal approach, my security, my financial wealth, you gain a whole lot more. And I guess we get wary of it because it can sound a, li- a bit like a prosperity gospel. But actually you have to look squarely at what he is saying. He's saying we receive these things in this age and in the age to come, there is a now and a not yet, but there is a real Christian family, a Christian network, a support that we gain, but it comes as we move with Jesus, as he moves us to focus on who and not what. Why did he give him this command? Uh, I think to move him in that way, 
what did the ruler get wrong? He couldn't see how much of a problem this was for him, how it was kind of insulating him from others. He wanted to check in and go on his way. He didn't really want to relate uh, to a God who wants to know him. But Jesus is promising for those who do, there is relationship, there is community in abundance in the gospel. Those are my three questions. Uh, Whether they resonate with the ones you have, you can come and uh, chat to me afterwards. This um, series, um, I... Uh, I've spoken quite a bit as we've gone, why why are we doing it in the summer? Partly because rather than making knee-jerk reactions uh, to, to situations, and I've said before, churches are, are very good at kind of, kind of going, oh, we're, we've got some great difficulty um, and we need you all to respond. We should be praying these things through, reflecting on where we are, where, what... Uh, point that the, the Lord has brought us to? What is it we have? What is our attitude to our money? To pray, to think about it, to, to consider it from different angles. Look, uh, listen to the sermons that have, have come in this series earlier um, in the summer and take some time. And this is my last question of these kind of questions that we've thrown out through this summer. How does my financial comfort impact my relationship with God? Is that something we've ever thought about? Have we ever got a bit of paper and put those two things together? How, how am I doing financially? Did I come from very little and now I have a great deal of comfort? Did I not have very much uh, and still? How am I doing and have I ever put that together with where my relationship with God is? What would be the... Uh, the journal entry for the rich ruler if he had put those two things together and thought and prayed. That's the question I'd love you to take away uh, for the rest of of this week and perhaps to process some of this going into a new term uh, and uh, and this part of the year. Um, I'm going to hand back to uh, James and give us a moment of uh, time just to reflect uh, and process. Um, Amen.